G'day punters and welcome to Tab's Inside 50. Nick Quinn, Shane Crawford and Natalie Yanidis here to try and find a winner or two in round 12 and talk all things footy. Nat, I'll open the batting with you. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks for having me, Quinny. Of course, we had plenty of fun last time I was here, so good to be back. Yes, we'll be touching on the ramifications of some of your cheeky comments last time you are on the pod. <laughs> and Crawford, how are you holding up in the festival of a footy? Oh, loving footy, yeah. How good's that? In between, obviously, Ninja Warrior. Yes. Um, yeah, a bit of AFL football, which is nice. And if the games aren't going so well, you can always flick over. If I gave you three medals, a gold, a silver, and a bronze, and you had to award them to Ninja Warrior, the current footy, and homeschooling, how would the medals be awarded? Uh, well, homeschooling definitely doesn't deserve a medal, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Ninja Warrior, clearly a gold medal. But um, no, the game, like, everyone complains about the games. But we've got to understand, you know, we've got a real compressed fixture right now. It's tough on the players. This week, I think, is a great betting proposition for a lot of teams. You know, just working through who's coming off four-day breaks, how hard was their last game. Physically, it's hard, especially the older teams. I tell you what, coming off a four-day break and and knowing they've done a bit of travel in there as well, it, it's quite exciting this weekend for a betting proposition, I think. Well, hopefully we can make a few dollars. And I know you've both got some specials to give the listeners later on in the program but Nat, last time you were here, you threw the cat amongst the pigeons. And for those that missed it, this is exactly what you had to say. Uh, I didn't really have a choice. So mum was a massive Essendon fan. Her whole family sort of come from that area of Melbourne. So we didn't really have a choice. And dad was a Collingwood supporter growing up. Ooh. and That's they, rivalry right there. Yeah, an incredible rivalry yep. between those two teams. And um the 1990 grand final was a pretty important time in our household. I'd just been born. I was about two months old at the time. <laughs> and uh, Dad was, I think it's fair to say, giving Mum a bit of stick after the 1990 grand final, to which Mum turned around and said, well, you either change or we get divorced. Dad has been an Essendon member for over 20 years oh, now. He wow. changed because he was told by your mother. That is, that's, that's... Yep. That's someone under the thumb right there. Alan rules with an iron fist. (laughs) I was about to ask where he lived after they got divorced. (laughs) Wow. So the question is, did you feel Helen's iron fist after revealing that story? <laughs> I didn't get in trouble, but the story did get back to her and she did question me about it. She said, oh, um, someone was telling me that this has come up and this story came up. And I was like, ah, yes. But we haven't told dad. So we've, we're keeping that one uh, under wraps. So we're just, you know, just putting that under the carpet and uh, just laughing at it behind his back. Don't tell him. No soft. one tell him. Nobody so, tell him. Soft. What's your dad's name? Nick. Nick. Soft Nick. Must Come be on, the name. Mate. Stand on your own two feet. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you're under the thumb too, Quinny. Don't you worry about that. Come on. Moving right along. Make I think your we all own are. decisions. <laughs> now, last week we discussed a favourite out market for the Brown Line Medal. We had a couple of nuffies that didn't quite comprehend what a favourite out market is. Hello to our friends from Bayswater writing into the program. <laughs> Lockie Neal is the favourite to win the Brown Line Medal. So this market is the favourite out market. And just as the name would suggest, we take Lockie Neal, the favourite, out of the market. So it's the player other than Lockie Neal that polls the most votes. So and is he still in? you can't get that through your head, give up the punt and give up the Facebook activity. The new market, Christian Petrarca, a $5 favourite. Dustin Martin at $6 equals second elite with Travis Boak. 
Then Jackson McRae, 8. Patrick Dangerfield at 10 with Patrick Cripps. Jack Steele, 34, into 14. Maxi Gorn, 17, as is Tim Kelly. If you found $10 and you are going to bet it on the favourite out market, and again, Nat, I will remind the listeners, it's the market without the favourite, Lockie Neal. Who would you have your tenor on? Look, firstly, I just want to say that I think that at this stage, Lockie Neal is an absolute shoo-in. So I understand that you know you can get a bit upset about that. But I'd be putting it on Dusty. I reckon that he's pretty good value at the moment. He's only played a couple of good games, but he's been outstanding. And the umpires do tend to notice him as well. So that's also going to play into his favour. Also, yes, there's only six games left, but it's still a third of the season, which when you put it like that is quite a significant chunk of the year. So I reckon that of those others on in the out market, probably Dusty purely because, yes, Petrarca is probably one of the best players in the competition at the moment, but he's going to have votes taken off him from the likes of Clayton Oliver and Max Gorn as well. So I'd be going Dusty. Good call. Uh, uh, very good call. I think Dangerfield uh, is going to get a lot of votes. We saw him play a different role last week. He kicks goals. Um, he's He's had a very good year and... Joel Selwood has been playing much or as well as we know he can. Gary Ablett's not going to take his votes. So who, who's going to take Dangerfield's votes? And Geelong are winning and winning a lot. So who's going to take his votes? I don't think anyone's going to take the votes off him because he's, he's very much like a Dusty and a Petrarca. They have real impact. They get the ball. They explode out of the, the stoppage and, you know, it's very noticeable. So I, I think he's over the odds at the moment when you look at it. So I, I'd have something on Dangerfield. It'd be a good chance, I dare say, Danger. My problem is that I don't think he's going at 100% capacity at the moment. They're sort of playing him as a bit of a pitch hitter and getting the job done in terms De- of Definitely wins. the last few weeks for sure. But like, who's going to get their votes? Like he's been playing extremely well. And even up until the last few weeks, you can see, and I think this is where Geelong have probably done it better than a lot of other sides. They've, they've really made the hard calls on game time and, and dropping players or resting players. Um, they've been, rather than rest uh, danger field. They're like, no, hang on. Do you know what? We're missing a bit of leadership there. We need you to still be in the game. So we'll play you forward a bit more and, and take your game time away from the midfield. So I think they've been carefully managing him, but I, I don't know who's going to take his votes. Sam Mender Goal has had an excellent season. He Do you reckon he'll take his? So, so if it's a line ball... No, you're right. So uh, that was my next point, but... Often what we see with the Brownlow, and I think Jack Steele might come into this conversation this year, and maybe Petrarca as well, they often poll really well the next year. It takes a season for the player to come under the umpire's eye, and then they do well the next season. I mean, Gary Ablett, the year Bartel won it. It was his breakout season. He started a hot favourite for the Brownlow. He didn't win. Obviously, he had great success after that, but it does take that year to come under the eye. Well, I think that's something else you also have to keep in mind. A lot of the time, the favourite doesn't win. I think Tom Mitchell might have won it when he was favourite, but Lockie Neal was the overwhelming favourite last year and barely rated a mention on Brownlow night. So I think that that's something else that probably need to keep in mind as well when you're thinking about likes of Dangerfield and Martin who have had the play, uh, had the umpire's attention in the past, they could certainly get it again. But I think the fact that Neil may be under-polled last season will help him this season. Oh, yeah, but we're talking about the out-market. No, that's exactly right. And again, thank you for clarifying the favourite out-market. Travis Boak, he's had a tremendous season for Port. He's a $6 chance in the favourite out-market. I'd love to see him win a brown line. Yeah, he deserves and, one. And obviously someone's got to get their votes as well. So he's had a really consistent year. Definitely 
would be in the All-Australian side and um, he'd be right up there with uh, Port Adelaide's best and fairest. So we're all sort of agreeing that Dusty Martin may be the way to go. He'll poll in threes. He was $9 into five. Wouldn't have polled against Port back out to $6. Now they say when you're looking at the golf majors that day three is the moving day. Well, round 12 for mine will be the moving day in the footy because it's going to be Collingwood and Melbourne clashing at the Gabba Saturday evening. The Pies win, they can go on and finish top four and are a genuine premiership contender despite the fact they haven't had Pendlebury, Talor, Dugowie and Howe, where Melbourne, so much was going wrong. If they win this, they've won three on the bounce and they are back in town. Nat, what do you make of this mouth-watering contest? I'm really looking forward to this game. I think that probably fair to say it's going to be one of the matches of the rounds and there's quite a few good games in there in that round 12 uh, batch at the moment. I like Melbourne. I really like Melbourne. I watched Collingwood against Adelaide. Uh, I just get the feeling that Melbourne's best players are playing better than Collingwood's best players at the moment. Collingwood without Pendlebury is a real concern. Life without Pendlebury, it leaves a little bit to be desired. So I know that there's a chance that he could return, but I just get the feeling that without him there and without their best players playing really well, they just seem a little bit down on confidence, particularly in that first half against Adelaide. They just couldn't kick straight. They couldn't kick straight. Who would have thought we'd be sitting here thinking, gee, wouldn't you like Mason Cox to be kicking that ball given his accuracy? Um, I just think that, yeah, Melbourne's best players, of course, Maxi Gorn will probably come into the side as well are just playing a little bit better than Collingwood's, and I think that's going to hold them in good stead. I reckon, when, when you say Mason Cox, I reckon he'd be good trade bait next year. I reckon sides would be after him to play as their first ruckman. A bit sort of Wits style. Wits went off to the Gold Coast, and he's been amazing. I think there's something there. Anyway, I'm getting off track, but like this, this game for me is really, really uh, important for Melbourne. Melbourne have to win this because they had a longer break. They got their confidence back. The problem is they played North Melbourne, and it was like playing... The Oz kickers, like Mel- uh, North Melbourne, was so off. Uh, the pressure was horrendous. That uh, Melbourne were able to just get kicks at will, work their way around, make mistakes, still follow up, get the ball back, and and then make the right decision. So sometimes when you play a side that puts up such a poor pressure performance, yeah, you know you can start to think, oh, we're going okay now. But really, it was a real lapse from the opposition. Melbourne. Uh, a st- they need to kick the ball well, which they're not great when there's real good pressure. Collingwood can put the good pressure on. They've got that longer break, and I think that longer break is a massive advantage, um, especially with Con- Collingwood being undermanned a bit. Um, so they have to come flying out of the blocks. And this is why I think this week's a, a good betting proposition. Um, as much as you hold your breath whenever you back Melbourne, um, it's a bit like the Hawks. You just can't back them at the moment. But Melbourne, we know they're capable. We know they can hit the ground running, and, and we saw even – in early in the year when they played Carlton. They destroyed him in the first quarter with what they're able to do. Coming off a couple of days extra, they've got to they've got to run through brick walls in the first ten minutes of the game and really get into get scoreboard pressure and get the Collingwood players thinking, oh, we've only had a few day break here. This is not good. I think that's where they can win the game. I think they can win. Totally agree. They're, they're good players are starting to play better. And Gorn and Viney didn't play on the weekend, so it was Clayton Oliver's just back to that form that he had a few years ago where he started to really dominate. Kicking still can be a bit iffy. Petrarca's obviously having a, a real sort of breakout year. Uh, Brayshaw's finally hitting form. Is it because Viney's not in the side, so now he's having well, more responsibility? Well, he played that role. Yeah. So, and I think they've found a really good player in Jackson, first-year player, but he's got something. I reckon he's if, – if you had to put all the first-year players together, Raoul in there – 
I reckon Jackson's right up there. And normally key position players, they don't show so much for three or four years, whereas Jackson, I, I think they got one out of the box there. So I, I think, yeah, I'm leaning towards Melbourne to win. They have to win this to make the finals. And I reckon they can be up and about early. Well, Nat, you're bullish on them getting the four points against the Pies. After that, they've got the Western Bulldogs. They've still got the makeup game with Essendon. They're 275 to make the finals, Melbourne. Is that a yes or no for you? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's going to be just because there's so many teams competing for that last spot in the eight. I think that the, the eight's probably going to finish the way it looks now. Maybe the Western Bulldogs might slip in there. Depends. If what about the Hawks? You got them coming up? Oh, look, you know, no. No, no. No. From, I mean, you know, wishful thinking, <laughs> yeah. but... No, I'm not, I'm not even thinking that Geez, way. Geez, they were boring not. to watch against Fremantle the other night. They were boring. Are you trying to crank me up here? No. no. They, yeah, they are. The best they've looked was against Carlton when they were six goals down and they played proper footy and they were electric. And they came out against Fremantle with that boring, <laughs> insipid game well, style. Well, the, the game's on the line. You have to score. And it's still it's still that sort of wide overuse. It's like, oh, my goodness. But anyway, the, the good thing, the positive thing for the Hawks is they'll start playing kids now. So they're going to give opportunities for guys who are wanting an opportunity and they have to now. I think he's conceded. Will the eight change? I'll read it just for I th- those. I think Melbourne... For those playing at if home. If they can win this week, I reckon they can sneak in there. So who would drop out? The current eight is Port Adelaide, Brisbane, Geelong, West Coast, St Kilda, Richmond, Collingwood, GWS. Just outside the eight, we have Melbourne, the Western Bulldogs and Essendon. The Gold Coast Suns, they'd probably need to do everything right from here on in. They're sort of lurking around the mark there on four wins with Carlton, Fremantle and your beloved Hawks. If Melbourne was to get in, are Melbourne the only team outside the eight that can get in? Could the Bulldogs catch fire? They've been pretty lacklustre the last four. No, I don't trust the Bulldogs. And trust's a big thing in footy. But then I don't really trust the Demons either. (laughs) However, I can see if they can win this, maybe they could replace Collingwood. Collingwood... Very undermanned at the moment. We know they're not playing great, but the good thing about Collingwood is they just keep winning. You know, they they won against Adelaide. Uh, they won against the Swans. I know lo- teams that are pretty low, but they had a lot of people come in. They haven't had that same sort of connection that a Geelong have had where they've got a lot of older players that have played 10 years together. So they know, they know when they're going left, going right, running into space. So they've got that great connection and understanding, whereas sides that are really turning over the lists and, and playing different players from week to week and a different starting 18 and 22. It takes it takes time to get that connection and, that, and gel and that real understanding. I disagree. I think that St Kilda could potentially be another team that might slip out of the eight. I know it sounds – we've loved watching St Kilda this season, but what they brought against Geelong was really disappointing and you just could see how much they are relying on the likes of Dan Butler, of course, who – didn't have his best game uh, the other day, probably underusing Brad Hill a little bit at the moment as well. And of course, they're a young side, so they're going to be inconsistent. That's always going to happen. And being away from home for such a long period of time, I think that maybe they drop off a little bit. Perhaps they squeeze in at eighth in eighth spot. And I do think that the Western Bulldogs are still a chance. I do understand again inconsistent, but they when they turn it on, they turn it on, and they kick big scores. So I think that there's still that opportunity. If Melbourne's still a chance, I think the dogs are too. Big fortnight. Well, for everyone's the still a chance. Really, <laughs> it's amazing here. This it's incredible year. The Saints came off a four day break against Geelong. So when you come off a four day break, you could see you could see in the first ten minutes. And I love watching the first ten minutes of a match to get a real idea. Pressure, talk, communication, arms going around is a real good indicator of 
Gee, they switched on. And there was a lot of alarming signs in that match. So they played like a side who were just tired. So that's the that's the plus for the Saints because this week, what do they do? They'll jump in the ocean. They'll, you know, eat their greens. They'll focus on recovery and they have a longer break. So we should see a better St Kilda outfit next week. Big fortnight for them with games against the Bombers and the Brisbane Lions. If they were to win them both, they would almost guarantee a finals berth. I'm going to go through the teams currently in the top 10. In one word, yes or no, <laughs> are they a premiership contender? Port Adelaide? Yes. Yes. Brisbane Lions? Yes. Yes. Geelong? Yes. Yes. You're nodding, which is not great for a podcast. Oh, That's sort of I half know, belief. I know. I well, don't know. I just like always the, think about the way Geelong go in finals and it always upsets I, I know, me. but do you know what they've done? Like... I hate to say, but as soon as the older players have stepped out, they've brought in some young guys who can really run, and 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 all of a sudden, Geelong look a bit better. Yes. <laughs> so it's going to be a real, it's going to be a hard selection table, is debating which of the older players they bring back in because these young players are really breaking the lines. They're working hard both ways. They're giving real good connection. And the thing is, when you got players that have come in and haven't played a lot of footy. They do exactly what they're told, whereas sometimes the older players, they go kick uh, chasing and just veer away from little things. Is that a little dig at the superstar, Gary Abbott? No, I'm just saying, like, it happens, you know, to uh, to some players. So uh, you speak to a lot of the AFL coaches and they love getting young, enthusiastic kids in because they do exactly what they're told. And does that make the team better? Yes, of course, because they're doing their role for the team. West Coast? Yes, definitely. No. Um, Why? I, I just think they're, they're giving everyone a bit of a chance. Uh, they haven't been in premiership form, I don't think. I know they've had a couple of good wins, but what about if the finals are played in Brisbane, which is my mail is saying that's that's signed, sealed and delivered. So that changes things. Optus Stadium's obviously very different because home turf, everyone feels good at playing at home, but I, I don't think so. I, I, I have concerns about their forward line. Um, their midfield's great with that Nui, but I still have a few concerns with their forward line, even though they've got Kennedy up there. I understand your concerns about finals being played in Brisbane, particularly from that form at the start of the season when they were in the hub. They seemed disinterested to me at the start of the year. I think that that was the general feeling. They just didn't seem switched on. They didn't like the idea they were in a hub. Adam Simpson was saying that they wouldn't be staying a week longer than they were supposed to, that they were due to. They just seemed like they hadn't quite checked in but if they go back and it's finals and they know that there's a finish line I think it's going to be a completely different mentality they're building at the moment yes they've been playing games at home and they probably haven't played brilliant opposition of course they've beaten the likes of Collingwood who haven't been in fantastic form uh, over the last month or so but I just think that they are building and you don't want to be hitting your peak just yet no and they've had Geelong a few weeks ago Geelong had them on toast but Still without a lot of key personnel. And then the Blues, the Blues were – but they've got that gear where they you could see, okay, three-quarter time or half-time, let's – they're one of those sides that can put their foot down. So, yes, of course they can win the premiership, but I, I think no. That is my view. No, I don't think they can win the premiership. I see a lot of similarities between West Coast and Richmond at the moment. I don't think they're going at 100%. They've got a couple of key players to come back, but we've seen over the last three years they've won all the premierships between them. They can elevate to that next level and they can score very quickly. 
Can the Tigers win the 2020 Premiership after that loss to Port? I think so, but only going by similar what I said about West Coast building. You don't want to be hitting your straps just yet, and they do have a lot of players coming back. I'm not as confident as I would have been at the start of the year when they thrashed Carlton in the first round, but I still think that, yes, they are still in that Premiership contention. Yeah, the, the way they play, the, the way they've introduced some youngsters, Bolton through the middle I think has been a real fine. You bring Cochin back in, you bring Hawley back in. Edwards I think has been one of their most important players with the run and carry. So, yes, for me, for the Tigers. Collingwood? No. Uh, that were my pick at the start of the year, but I just I just think it's they're just patching away and I just think it's going to have a toll towards the end. So, a no for me. Greater Western Sydney? Uh, you go first. Capable, but I don't trust them. And trust is a very big thing. I, they just haven't been – like with the class players they've got, uh, something's missing. I, I don't know what that is. Yes, they can get the four points. Yes, they can win. But up against the sides that we've all said, yes, we think they can win the premiership, I just don't trust them. So, no. I agree. They've got, I think, probably the best list on paper. I think that's probably fair to say, one of the best lists on paper. But they just don't seem to be gelling. A couple of injuries, but nothing that should really, nothing long-term that should be hampering their their attempts at winning the flag. But they haven't really seemed on. I watched them against Essendon the other day, and you know how I feel about the Bombers. If, if Essendon are going to get that close to beating them, then maybe there is something missing. When you do talk about those top four teams, though, you're probably thinking maybe not. I'm not sure I understand. <laughs> that was outstanding, Tommy. Siri has chimed into the podcast by saying she doesn't understand. You clarified for Siri and anyone else that might want more information on GWS. What could be the missing factor of that team? <laughs> I'm not sure I understand. Strangely enough, once I said Adelaide are so bad and Siri said sorry, I was like, don't apologise, Siri. Um, wow. Um, interesting. There's no coming back from that. No, I, 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 I'm lost now. Wow. That was perfect timing. There we go. That's magnificent. That's why you should never sit on your phone, hey? Yeah, clearly. I need it for the odds for later. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, we know you've got a special up your sleeve this week. Croft put away the board games. The AFL rolls on and so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to tap account customers only. Gamble responsibly. Gamblers help. 1-800-858-858. Now, Croft, let's go down memory lane a little bit. There's a Uh-oh. podcast out at the moment called No Merger going back to 1996. Yes. Yep. When it was nearly the famous Hellborn Dorks that took the field in 1997, the merger that nearly went through between yeah. Melbourne and Hawthorne. And Melbourne, the Hawks, the Dorks. The Dorks. Hey, that's, it was never going to work, really. <laughs> but it was very, very much a chance to happen. It was a fine line, it really was. Can you remember the first time you heard about it? Because the podcast is basically talking about the surprise that a lot of the players had, even when it was deep in conversation. Well, Hawthorne was so successful. And then obviously. Um, you know, for a long time, um, leading up, obviously during the 80s and, and, you know, early 90s. But then in Melbourne, obviously, you know, we're highly competitive. But, um, yeah, we were told from a playing point of view that we were in trouble. We're going to have to merge because, you know, we've got no money and things were finished. So from my point of view, I was told, oh, listen, we're going to possibly merge with Melbourne. You'll be okay because you'll be put on the list. Um, you might even be the captain. So... 
from my point of view, I'm like, okay, right. And I was just sort of settling into a Hawthorne life, loved Hawthorne, but we were told by the board that this is what's going to happen and, and would you support the merger? So we were misled as players and, and being a younger player and just finding your feet and trying to, you know, start on your AFL uh, career and path, you're just like, oh, well, uh, whatever you think needs to happen. So the next paper I remember reading, back page, Jason Dunstall, John Platt and Shane Crawford are for the merger. <laughs> And I'm like, okay, right. So, yeah, it was it was interesting times. Really hard on the older players because the older players knew that there was every chance this was going to happen because of mismanagement and um, you know just obviously putting yourself in that position where we don't have any money to continue on um, as a sole entity. And so it was it was really tough for those players. You know, I'm talking like guys like Ray Jenke and Andy Collins and players that are real. Uh, were real integral to the way Hawthorne had been for a long, long time. And they knew that if a young list of Melbourne and Hawthorne gets merged together, um, so it was going to be myself and David Neitz from um, Melbourne point of view, you know, so we're going to have eventually a good team because we get the pick of both teams. And those older players were going to be on the out because they would just go with all the young players. So it was a really uneasy time. And I remember our last game against Melbourne which was our last uh, round of the year, and we had to win to get into the finals. And I'm not sure we were worried about the finals, but it was more about what's going to happen. We don't know where we're turning up next year. But that was one of the great matches. You ever watch that match? We sneak across the line. Jason Dunstall kicks his 100th goal. Neitz kicks eight or so goals, maybe even more, maybe less. I'm not sure. I think Dunstall kicks 10. Um, you know, Todd Vine is in there. He's now involved with Melbourne. In there. He um, punched you in the head off Alistair the ball Clarkson's before the game. in there. I'm punching on with him. <laughs> And then he ends up coaching me. We end up surviving. So it was just, it was a real crazy time. And looking back, the more I think about it, the more I get really pissed off that the board misled us. You know, people who are running the football club said, we've got no chance. We've got no chance of surviving. This is the only way we can go, which is not true. Well, how good is it that Hawthorne stayed alive and how amazing have they been to transform not only into a powerhouse financially, but also on-field success, which is just incredible to everyone involved. And as the great Jason Dunstall did say in this podcast, he goes, you just believe what the board would tell you. You're a player and you respect these guys and they're in the position to make these decisions. So I think he was pretty disappointed and that does seem to be a bit of a trend coming through from the players at the time. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not only that, I went I went along to the famous uh, meeting at um, Camberwell Civic Hall where all the supporters are there and Don Scott gets up there and rips off the Hawthorne logo and it's a demon's jumper. And I was just at the back of the room and and I'm like, what's going on? I just wanted to know what's going on. What's going on with our future? You know, do we have a future? Do we combine the two clubs? What happens to my teammates? Where does that all go? And I suppose I was lucky because I was assured that I had a future, whereas a lot of my teammates weren't. And um, their, their careers were going to come to an end prematurely. Do you reckon the days of mergers are over? It never happened again in an AFL setting? Oh, I'd never say never just because this world's getting crazier, especially what we're going through now. And you, you look at the Brisbane Lions and the Fitzroy Football Club, you know, it was like even though the Fitzroy Football Club was a the opposition club, you know, yeah, it breaks your heart to see yep. clubs like that disappear. You know, so much history and, and I'm glad – even though they've disappeared, I'm glad there was a way that they could somehow keep them alive and keep them connected. And obviously the Brisbane Lions, you know, have continued that on. But, oh, you just never say never in these days. I've, uh, maybe a few years ask me that question, but over the next few years, I think we're going to go through some tough times. I think 
from a salary point of view and, and from a management point of view, all the clubs are going to be in debt. They're going to really struggle. Well, not all the clubs, but a lot of the clubs are going to really struggle. You know, North Melbourne are getting themselves in a better position and, and the Bulldogs, even though they've had premiership success, you know, it, it's still going to be a bit of a grind. So um, I wouldn't I wouldn't say never, unfortunately. I'd say a relocation might be more likely than mm. a merger down the track with one or two teams. Yeah, and I think – no. I played a lot of footy down in Tasmania with the Hawks and then obviously North Melbourne – I think there has to be there has to be a team based out of Tasmania. Tasmania, they live and breathe football down there. It's just whether or not you get enough corporate support and whether or not enough you get a, uh, a well, whether or not you get enough members. But I think it's a natural fit. You know, they they uh, they adore AFL football. They the live biggest and breathe challenge it. might be uniting Tasmania though, because well, Hobart uh, and Launceston, it's such a passionate rivalry. Could they come together to support one team? Surely, surely there's a way to connect that. I don't know how, but surely there has to be a way that Hobart can connect with Launceston. Like, seriously. Would a relocation work with Tasmania, though? Because a lot of Tasmanians have a real affinity with with Hawthorne. A lot of Tasmanians support Hawthorne and because they have been down there for so many years and they have been building their supporter base. Would a relocation, another AFL team that already exists, moving down there, would they be able to capture the imagination of the Tasmanian people or do they need to have their own sort of identity? I think what you find with those supporters, they have two teams. So they appreciate the love that, say, a Hawthorne and now North Melbourne obviously going down to Hobart. So they appreciate that and they become a secondary supporter. But, you know, once you put your roots there and say, no, nah, this is us, this is what we're about – People start to turn, you know. I suppose it's like Western Australia. Everyone started barrying for the Eagles and then Fremantle came in and they thought, oh, hang on, we supported the West Coast Eagles, but I'm down from uh, Fremantle way, so maybe I'll start supporting. So now they've got a great supporter base. Yeah, it would be a work in progress, but still probably a long way off. But I reckon it'll get there eventually. It'd be great to see an AFLW team do really well in Tassie just to probably show it can happen and that might make the transition a little easier as well. Crawford put away the board games, the AFL rolls on, and so does Tab's AFL Same Game Multi, where you can combine your favourite AFL markets all in the one bet. Available online for every AFL game this season to Tab account customers only. Gamble responsibly, gamblers help, 1-800-858-858. All right, punters, get your pen out. I've got it, it is out. It's time to make some cash. Nat, yes. can you and Siri tell us how to make a dollar on round 12, please? Okay. So at the moment, I'm thinking, look, I really like Fremantle against Carlton. I can't believe that they're underdogs for this one. I can't believe um, the odds that you can get on this game. So I'm definitely going with that game. Am I going for a multi here or am I going... You can do whatever going... you want, but okay. Fremantle's your best bet. Why do you like yes. the Dockers? I really liked what I saw uh, last weekend. I think that they're really starting to build. You would have watched the Dockers pretty closely uh, the other day as well, of course, playing against Hawthorne. But those young players that are coming through the midfield, your, your Sarongs, your um, uh, Brayshaw, of course, is really starting to hit his straps this year, Chera as well. They're just seeming to, to release Fife a little bit more forward. Yes, he's playing probably 20 30% more forward at the moment, which just gives them a few more options up forward. But if you're talking to Frio supporters, what they really like at the moment is their defence. The likes of Luke Ryan, 
people are talking about him being in all Australian form. He's having a fantastic season, despite the fact that they're missing a couple of guys. Of course, Pierce isn't playing, Hamling's not playing. So they've really managed to to get that under under Longmire, of course. Longmuir, Longmire, Longmuir, too many. Justin. We all do it. I know, oh, my I know. goodness. He's you doing think good about job, it. actually. He's got them sitting up really, really well. Yeah. And, of course, as we know, your defence – that's where it starts. Of course, you're getting your young teams to to get their defence before they do start to to identify, to get their own identity and their own attacking style. So I like what Fremantle are doing, particularly down back. And I think that if they can continue that against Carlton, Carlton have been one of the highest scoring teams of the competition. But if Fremantle can stop that, then I think that they can kick enough goals through the likes of Lobb, Tabner, even maybe a Fife going down forward to eventually get them the win. And I think that they're great odds. Especially at home. Um, and they like kicking the footy too, which is good. Sides that you watch handball and handball and handball back and handball back. I'll tell you one rule they need to change. Any ball that's kicked backwards needs to be play on. That's I, I'm totally against changing all the rules, but if you're going to change one rule, any kick that goes backwards, no matter what part, no matter where the play is, anything that goes backwards is play on. They trolled that, didn't they? Well, they did um, pre-season-wise, but I think they've just got to make that happen. Just keep the game moving forward um, once you get the footy. It's worth a go. My best bet, and it's probably it's going to be a talking point because the Cats were so good, but they've only got a four-day break. So they play played Monday, and then they're turning up on Friday against a side a lot of people think can win the Premiership, which is Port Adelaide, who are coming off a Saturday game. And uh, that longer break... I just think he's going to really hold them in in good stead. So I think Port Adelaide, for me, are my best bet, which is a bit crazy when they're both probably flip of the coin. And I think first quarters this week are going to be a good betting proposition. So I think Port Adelaide to win a first quarter. I think Melbourne to win a first quarter. And you've got Gold Coast who are playing Essendon. They've got a longer break. So I think if you get your head around from a coaching point of view that boys, we've got to be up, we've got to be going. I reckon there'll be a huge focus around motivation and and using that as a placebo effect. Boys, we've had two extra days break. We're feeling much better. We know we've been what they've been through because we've come off short breaks. We've got a longer break. So I reckon that is probably a betting proposition. Back those teams to win the first quarter. You could almost throw Melbourne in there as well if you want to get really greedy. Uh, but that's probably being really greedy. But Port Adelaide to win the first quarter, Port Adelaide to win the match against the Cats. There we go. I like it. He's pretty confident. Now, you've got a multi for us as I well. I do. I have a multi. My last one didn't work out, but I'm hoping that this hey, one's... don't worry. Bit. Not many multis <laughs> too. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's what a multi's about, isn't it? It's a bit of value. Um, so I'm thinking Fremantle, 1-39 to 39 against Carlton. West Coast, 1-39 to 39 against Hawthorne. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah. well... I was going to say over 40, but yeah. I thought I'd just <laughs> thought I'd be nice to you because you're sitting next to me. Um, and the other one is Brisbane. Brisbane, 139 over North Melbourne. You could potentially go 40 plus, but I'm going to be a little bit more conservative. And that will get you $7.99. Whoa, there you go. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, Quinny, also uh, Adelaide. Let's just quickly just talk about Adelaide. Adelaide, they're not going to win a game this year. And it's going to be the first time since 1964 when the Fitzroy Football Club didn't win a game. Who are they most likely to beat? They've got the Giants, they've got the Tigers, they've got the Cats, all premiership contenders. They've got the Dogs this week on the rebound. 
and they've got the Hawks. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going to have to play. Am I missing a side? There might be one more. Oh, Blues, maybe the Blues. But they're not going to win a game. The positive is they've got Himmelberg. Um, and they've got the Fogarty, who bashes and crashes. O'Brien. So I can see there's a few positives there for them. But I, I don't think they're going to win a game for the rest of the year. I think it's going to be 1964 um, history is going to be made. And I think the Bulldogs this week are a huge betting proposition for a huge margin because they're coming off the rebound, shorter break for the Crows. I just think it's going to be a big margin. And I'm like 25 plus, but if you want to get really creative with all those first uh, first quarters – you could really launch into them to have a big first quarter because they'll be in that mindset along with, you know, a Melbourne and a Port Adelaide, those type of teams who are having a longer break. It is amazing they started grand final favourites in 2017 and now in 2020 they could go through the whole season without a win. In terms of winless seasons, though, it's probably not a total disaster. They have been competitive the last couple of weeks. They've still been in no, games it, up until the third quarter. it's an absolute disaster. But we've seen it's, teams – I reckon they're going a lot better than North. Like you look at North last week, they were witches' hats against Melbourne. That was insipid. At least the Crows, to their credit, are having a red-hot crack week in, week out, which so goes to where, show – Where did you have the Crows finishing this year? Not bottom. No, 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 no. not bottom. But I just think – No, that, this year's been an absolute disaster for them. And let, let's not kid ourselves. No, because they're uh, still having a crack. They haven't yeah, – they're, they're not they're waving trying, the white and, flag. And now they're, they're, now they're going, still playing for the coach. The they kids. just need some good young cattle to Here's come through. Here's what we got. Yes, yeah, so that, that's a way out. Like once you – once your year's gone and they go, okay, our year's definitely gone, then they go, okay – O'Brien, keep playing, which they backed him in last year, and he's he's a real shining light. Himmelberg's just come in. Fogarty has only come in recently, and he needs to play. And the good thing is he wants to hurt players. <laughs> like, if there's a pack to run through, he'll jump up, he'll drive his knee through someone's back, and he wants to knock people over. That's what you need um, as a key forward, someone to make. You know, they, they put uh, Laird on ball uh, against Collingwood last week. And do you know what? <laughs> He'd never won so many stoppages in his life, so... Out of rough times, you can find some new positions for players, but it's been an absolute disaster for the Adelaide Crows. I'll rephrase that. You can't go winless and it's not been a disaster, but I think there's more to like about what the Crows are doing in terms of how they're having a crack each week and some of their players coming through than some of the other teams that are down the bottom. Their their lowest finish ever was 14th, and they're going to smash that out of the park this year. One player we didn't mention, Tom Duday as well. Has yes, been excellent, and yeah. you can just watching the way he goes about his football, his leadership credentials. You can build a club on someone like that, I reckon. And you can see what Matthew Nix is doing. You can you can see the vision. They lost a lot of players last year. Let's be perfectly honest. They lost a lot of senior players who were playing good football elsewhere, and so you can't lose that much talent, that much. Uh, experience and not expect to see a drop-off. Nick, what I want to know is, if you didn't have them bottom, where did you have them? Well, not absolute rock bottom. I would have had, I'll be honest, well, maybe Gold Coast again, if I I can go back and check who I had bottom. Yeah, no, I think a lot a lot of people would have had yeah, Gold Coast. Yeah, I didn't have the Crows bottom of the ladder at the yeah. start of the season. I reckon I had them second last. It's not last then, is it? No, fine. Yeah, but it, it's, just, it's just rare for a side from South Australia. We know how passionate they are and and... We know there was a huge transition this year, but the thing is, did they come out and sell that at the start of the year, going, listen, you know, because you, you still got Sloan and Walker. I know Sloan's been injured. you got the Crouch brothers. They're still – you've got some real good experience type players, but you got Lynch in that forward line. So 
did they sell that message at the start of the year? It's like, oh, do you know what? We're rebuilding and it's going to be some rough times because I think as a coach, and coaching's all about picking the right moment to get into a football club and start to rebuild or, or put your own little imprint on. But I think you've, <laughs> you've got to be very careful how you sell a message to supporters and uh, members. And I was a part of some crap sides at Hawthorne where we had no money and we were told we're probably not going to win some matches. Alistair Clarkson in his first year said to me, um, I want you to stay and help these young kids. I'm going to play them. They're not ready, but we need to make them realise what's required and they need to play on some good players and they're not going to win. It's going to be hard, but I need you to hang in there. I'm going to get rid of some of your older players, uh, but I'd love you to stay around and help. And I'm like, do you know what I'm thinking in that meeting? I'm thinking, I want to punch your head in right now. Stand up, let's go. Like we used to do when, uh, when Melbourne and the, D, uh, yeah. and the Hawks played. But at least he sold the message to me, it's going to be tough. We're probably not going to win any games, let's be honest, because we're going to play a style which is going to flood numbers back. It's not going to be great. We're not really going to attack and we're, we're going to be undermanned. So I, I reckon as a coach, you need to sell that message to your members at the start of the year. So, if you're, so for example, if North Melbourne goes, you know what, Zeebel, we love him, but we're going to find it and try and trade him or we're going to try and trade Cunnington. We're going to – these have been great players for us, but right now we have to rebuild. We have to go to the bottom. We have to get the low picks. We've got to work our way back up. That's the only way we can get think we can get to the top rather than just patch it together. I think you wear one year where you just cop it, you know. You just know that you're in that transition phase, whereas the Adelaide Crows never sold that message to everyone. We thought they'd be highly competitive. What do you think they thought internally, though? Oh, they, they had to think they were going to be highly competitive, um, you know, and, and win, you know, probably eight games, you know, whereas they haven't won a game. They haven't looked like winning a game. You know, they've played some good quarters, but it's hard. But now we can see, now they've just totally turned it around and said, all right, here's these young kids. Okay, this is what we've got. I can see some light there. Well, it'll be interesting to see what they do dish up this week. Nat and Shane, it's been an absolute pleasure again. Can't wait to do it again. And you've been listening to Tabs Inside 50. Inside 50.